All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning as we continue uh, learning more about the Spirit of God. Mysterious, unseen, uncontrollable, unpredictable. God, I pray you just open up our hearts right now to receive. And I pray God for openness. Lord, we, even though we come to church, we can still come to church closed. And so, Lord, I pray for openness right now to consider and receive what's going to be said here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one thing I want to confess, I think it's something that a lot of people have. I have a weird thing about breath. I don't know what it is, but when people get too close and they're talking and I can feel their breath on me, whether it's good or bad, it's too close. It's just too close, all right? I got a space thing. In fact, when I lived in the Middle East, because they have no boundaries when it comes to close, they'll get six inches away from your face and start talking. I'm thinking, I'm not deaf, you know, please step up. So what I used to do, because I didn't want to offend them, is I would actually put a little eucalyptus under my nose so that everything I smelled all day was wonderful, whether it stank or not, even myself. And so... The problem is what happens when you put eucalyptus on your nose every day. It gets raw and red. I thought my nose was going to fall off. I mean, it was just, it was nasty. People are like, is that a zit? No, no, it's just raw skin, you know. I got this breath thing, you know. And, and, and I really hate it. One time when I was in high school, I had a friend of mine just chug a, like a Coca-Cola. And then he turns and he looks at me and goes, Bleh. It's not bad enough that he burped. Do you know what he did after? He blew it in my face. Uh, I went, oh, I was so horrified. And I was really upset with this guy because he always teased me that I literally got my tackle on. And I turned, I tackled him. I start pounding. What, 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 what? <laughs> Don't blow in my face. I used to hate it when I used to smoke. And I'd smoke and people would, would take a drag and then they'd blow it in my face. But thankfully, those days are over for the most part, with one exception. My kids love to get in close. They love, and so when I say, when I say, oh man, Jonathan, Lucas, Thomas, you gotta go brush your teeth, man. Your breath smells nasty. Do you know what they do? They go, ha. <laughs> I'm like running around the house. They're chasing me, this fire-breathing dragon. I'm like, oh, my goodness, stop. And, of course, my wife eggs it on. She's dying. She just loves to. Why do wives love to push buttons? I don't know why. Husbands are not made for that. We are fragile creatures. So, obviously, I have a thing with breath. But oddly enough... The wind of the Spirit for humanity began with a breath. And uh, it's going to be up on the screen. You don't necessarily have to turn there with me. But my first point this morning is that everybody, everybody here began with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what brought the life-animating force to all of those living cells that God had put together and formed a body but they were nothing but a body. It would have been nothing but animal instinct, creature, uh, something that would respond to light and responses and stimuli, but no real life-animating force behind it other than chemical reaction. 
And then God breathes his spirit in, and all of a sudden, we go from just being cells stuck together to a living being capable of thought, capable of memory, capable of looking at a sunset and knowing what we are looking at. A fully functioning brain, heart pumping the blood. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God breathed into Adam, the first man, the proto-human, so to speak, the ruach. And ruach is the Old Testament Hebrew word for spirit, God's spirit. It means about 20 different things, but in our context, it's anything from the animating life force of God, the breath of life, the life breath, that which makes us live. By itself, the body was nothing but the dust of the earth, right? It says that we were formed out of the dust of the earth. That's why we have carbon atoms, the earth has carbon atoms. We were formed out of the dust of the earth, but when God breathed, we became a living being. Now we're going we're gonna to go through this like a, like a melodrama. But in Genesis 3, we rebel against God. And God says something key to everything, to understanding all life. In Genesis 3.19, God says to Adam, because you've done this, you will eat your food, but you will return to the ground since from it you were taking. For dust you now are, and to dust you will return. God essentially informs Adam that sin cannot coexist in God's presence. It's like an oxymoron. It's a plus and a minus. It's two things that are going to repel each other the opposite direction. There are some things God cannot do. He tells us that. He cannot coexist with sinful rebellion. And so that Adam as an eternal being has now been altered. Dust is mortal. Dust is physical. And dust is temporary and is the spirit that is eternal and is the spirit that Adam traded in in order to get his own way and in order to call his own decisions and his own shots. They traded in the eternal for the temporary. They no longer had the Holy Spirit. They were physical. Now they had the residue of the spirit because they were still living beings. But God said, you know, like a rose, you ever watch, you know, you cut a rose, what happens to the rose? It still continues to bloom. That's humanity. Even though we've been cut off from eternal life, we still continue to bloom. We still live for a while, but it's temporary. From the dust we came, and one day every single one of us will go back into the ground uh, or up into the air, however, however you plan to go. Uh, that, that, that is our destiny. Then Jesus came. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus provided a way for that breath to come back in us and upon us and through us. Jesus dies and rises again. Essentially, in that moment, sin, the power of sin, the power of death, the power of hell, the power of everything is all destroyed. It's done. It's everything that Adam and Eve had blown it. That's all repaired, all undone. We're taken back now to the beginning where God breathes his spirit into us to be more than just dust, more than just intelligent animals, to receive once again what we were made for, the ruach, or the breath of life. So if you look in John chapter 3, and I should have it up here. 
There's a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, who comes to Jesus because he wants to be more than dust. And the, the Bible reads like this. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said, uh, Truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. That's Entering the kingdom of God is the same as saying can live forever. No one can live forever in God's kingdom unless they are born again. Now, Nicodemus has a great question. Now, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot go into their mother's womb a second time. He's being absurd here. Jesus, what you're saying sounds absurd. And Jesus answered, what I'm telling you is this. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And he clarifies, flesh gives birth to flesh. Your mama gave birth to your body, right? Flesh gives birth to flesh. So you don't need to be born in that way a second time. You already have flesh. He says, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Jesus is saying something very interesting. You can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. And that's what he's trying to tell Nicodemus. The whole dust-to-dust thing, Nicodemus, I have a way you can beat that. I have a way you can live even though one day you got to lay this body aside. I have a way where not only are you going to be born again in your spirit, but two seconds after you die, you're going to be born again into an immortal body. So Nicodemus, you have to get over what you think you know. Because you look at a human being and you think that's all it is. That's just their flesh. That's just their physical cells that got together, a brain and a heart and lungs and all that kind of, that, that's a little tent on earth, their earth suit. I can offer you a heaven suit because spirit gives birth to spirit. And then Jesus says, well, you should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. Why? Because Nicodemus, you're here. You wouldn't be here if the answers to life were easy. You wouldn't come to me if you thought you have it all figured out. So you shouldn't be surprised at me saying this. And he says in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Who's, now, he's saying the wind, but who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit, right? So let's just put the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit blows wherever he pleases. You hear his sound, but you cannot tell where he's coming from or where he is going. So it is everyone who is born with the Spirit. That's a great little conversation. But the question you all should be thinking is, well, did it come true? Did Jesus restore the Ruach? Did he stand up a man and breathe into him just like God breathed into Adam in Genesis chapter 2? Yes, he did. It's a little, little known verse. Not a lot of people often think of it. But if you go to John chapter 20, there's something powerful that Jesus does before he goes back to heaven. He stands up, all his disciples, probably in a row or in a circle, and he says to them, I am going to make you more than dust. I'm going to give you something that will make you more than dust. And he went over to them and it says, it reads in John uh, chapter 20, verse 22, 
that Jesus breathed on his disciples. I have a guess it wasn't just, you know, breathing like I'm breathing. He probably went, He exhaled, and as he breathed on the disciples, he said the most important sentence in all human history. Receive the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, his disciples were no longer just dust. His disciples were no longer just intelligent animals being governed by their appetites and addictions. All of a sudden, the disciples weren't just physical and temporary but they were spiritual and eternal. And every day they lived on earth, they felt that spiritual and eternal growing and growing and growing, beckoning them to the world to come. Obviously not wanting to commit suicide, but giving them hope and joy as to where they were ultimately gonna go. That this body would return to the dust, but their their spirit that was now alive because Jesus made it alive was going to be going up to heaven and they'd be receiving an immortal body not made of the dust that would live forever. Is that good news? Amen. At that point, they become immortal beings. So everybody started out with the spirit and we have that same option today through Christ. Number two, the wind is a great metaphor to tell us about who God is. When I talk to people about God, you'd be amazed at some of the weird definitions I get. You know, God is like an old grandfather in a chair, you know, or God is like a, what was it, a, a, a lion, you know, in a thing. And, and while all of those, I guess, could work in some way, I think wind is really one of the best ways to describe God. First of all, like the wind, we cannot control him. The wind cannot be controlled. He said, uh, Jesus said in John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. God blows wherever it, he pleases. We may not like that. We may not like it because we're jealous of it. I wish I could blow wherever I please. I wish I could do whatever I please. I wish I was unlimited in power. Boy, what a world I would make if that were, <laughs> if that were true. But actually, I thank God every day that he is the one who can do whatever he pleases. Because I trust him. I don't trust me. And I sure don't trust you. So I'm just kidding. I said that a little strong. But that was, you know. <laughs> That's right, Jerry. Where's Pam? Oh, okay, good. Good thing she's not here. Pam, you just keep eating your coffee and donuts out there. <laughs> she's, giving, she's saying something right now. I can feel, I can feel it. You know, it's... <laughs> I don't even need the Holy Spirit to tell. I just feel it right now. You know, she's, she's heckling me in some way. Like the wind, God is invisible. You guys, we, we cannot see God. The closest we're going to get to seeing God is through the image of God that's been left on earth. And who is that? Jesus. Well, yeah. yeah. No matter what the answer. Oh, the question is, Jesus is the answer. What, what's the ultimate answer, though? Beyond Jesus. Because where is Jesus right now? He's not on earth. So us, right? We were made in the image of God. If you want to see God, you see the Holy Spirit acting and moving through another human being. And you'll see God. Now, some of you may see him in a dream or vision. Now, those happen, but those don't happen every day. That's, you know, that's why we call it a miracle and not Monday. So, you know, so, 
So like the wind, God is invisible. What did, what did Jesus say? He said, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming or where it's going. God is invisible. You can't see. You, he's here. He's riding on the, the, the molecules of the breath you're breathing right now. But you can't see him. And you don't know where he came from and, or, or, or where, where, he's, where he's going to next minute. Uh, so uh, the third thing, like the wind, God is unpredictable. You hear it sound, but you can, again, you cannot tell where it's come from, where it's going. So it is everyone who is born in the Spirit. And finally, like the wind, the Spirit is indispensable. Jesus said earlier in the chapter, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. That's why at the end of service, you know, people always say, Tom, why do you say we can't be born into Christianity? Because when you're born, you're born into water. At some point in our lives, we choose to be reborn by the Spirit. God will not force that on anyone. Just like Satan could not force Eve to eat from the fruit, God will not force anyone to receive the Spirit of eternal life. And it's all our choice. We have that freedom to choose one way or another. But the Spirit of God is indispensable. If we want to be beyond dust... We have to allow Jesus to breathe on us again and hear metaphorically the sentence, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, early on in ministry, I really tried to control the Holy Spirit. I remember the first week I was a pastor, very first week I was a full-time pastor, and someone came in, this is in the ghetto of Seattle, in the Aurora Corridor, you know, there's like, you know, there's, there's more prostitutes than postmen there well there's not a lot of postmen anywhere but you know what i mean there was you know there's this it's just like it's just nasty it's the nastiest part of seattle you could imagine and me and my wife loved it i mean there was something about the 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 darker the place is the lighter the light of christ shines so we i'd have people it was one of those rare, rare places where you know we were right on a main street and one time I read this in a book. I said, I'm going to try. I put my desk right out there on the sidewalk, and I put up a sign that said, free prayer or Christian counseling. And I sat there waving at the cars as they went by. And then nobody came. So I bought a pack of Gatorade from Costco, and I put it up there, and I put free Gatorade and prayer if you come on by. All of a sudden, I got tons of people coming in because they wanted the Gatorade. (laughs) And so they sit down, and, and I'm talking with them. And the first person that I had talked to, I just explained the gospel very clearly. And with tears in his eyes, he grabs my hand, and he prays with me right then and there. The next Sunday, he's in church. When I left, what was it, three years later, he was like one of the head ushers. Just an amazing story. I thought it was always going to be that way, that I could move the hand of God. The fact of the matter is, there's some people that I've said the exact same thing I said to him. And 20 years later, they're like, Tom, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm too much of a scientist. Why do science and religion have to be so opposite? You know, there's nothing science is going to find out that isn't in the scope of how it's anyway. Anyway, so, you know, I just thought, you know, and and I could just tell he's churning on it because somewhere deep inside, he knows there's something more than just ions but he can't put his finger on it, you know? And, and, I, and I get so frustrated at God. 
How can I say one thing to one person and that guy accepts Christ and I can work on 20 years with him and he's still fighting it? Because I cannot control God. And I cannot control people. Control is not part of our mandate, even though we seek to do it well. (laughs) Number three, the Holy Spirit prepares everybody to receive the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think Nicodemus came to Jesus that night? Because the Holy Spirit said, you need to go talk to that guy. I can't tell you how many times that I hear that word, it was an appointment from God or a divine appointment. We need the Holy Spirit to show us we need the Holy Spirit. We're not going to wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I need more of God in my life. I never hear people do that unless God has been churning up that heart in order to do that. We naturally wake up and it's like, where's the coffee? Where's the french fries? Did you get me my Oreos? You know, I mean, we're, that's our natural state. This is my conversation with my wife, you know. <laughs> that's our natural state, right? Who wakes up and thinks, man, I need to pray 10 hours today, you know? We don't naturally. We need the Holy Spirit to show us we need the Holy Spirit. That's the most dangerous prayer. This is an example, don't worry. It's just air, by the way. It's not what you think it is. Um, But the Holy Spirit also prepares us to receive the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? Do you know what happened first? A powerful wind blew through the room. You know why? It was preparing their hearts to receive the tongues of fire that would soon rest on them. The wind The blasting of the wind prepares us for the work that God is going to do next. And so a lot of times, I I like to think of it this way. When God is preparing me for something or where God's doing something in me, like a wind, he starts blowing through me and he blows it right out of me, right? Uh, So, for example, if I'm struggling with fear, you know, I just kind of, you know, start praying, God, I, I got, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I'm pooping bricks here. This is really, you know, I really, and all of a sudden just blows out the fear and replaced, that was air, right? I felt, <laughs> felt cold, so I was like, it wasn't water or anything, you know. Blow out the fear and replace it with faith, right? <laughs> blow out, blow out the anger. And replace it with forgiveness. Is, is, it, is, it, is it turning colors? It is, isn't it? A little too close. The wind, the wind is too close. Take the straw out. Uh, I, I need spotlight Holy Spirit, not flood Holy Spirit. <laughs> Re- replacing doubt, right? There we go. Let's get, let's get the Pentecost here. Oh, it stinks. Oh, man. I'd rather have bad breath than that. Oh, gosh. But, but you get the point? You know, as the Holy Spirit began blowing, he blows out of us the weakness and leaves behind the strength. Struggling with cowardice, he blows out the cowardice, replaces it with courage. Struggling with anger, blows out the anger, 
and leaves forgiveness. Struggling with addiction blows out the addiction and leaves freedom. At all, at all times, it's always our choice. Here, come here. I can fix that right now. <laughs> the point is this. Oh, I got that taste in my mouth. This is like, oh, I'm really struggling here. But the point is this. The Holy Spirit prepares us to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows us that we need the Holy Spirit. We are nothing. We're not going to figure, we're not going to, we're not so smart, we're just going to figure all this out. The best thing you can do if you want to experience God is stop trying. Stop trying to manufacture whatever you think is going to do it. And just get on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, blow. And however you're going to do it, you do it. For the wind blows wherever it pleases. No one can tell where it came from or where it's going. So it is everyone who is born with the Spirit. Point number four, everybody fills their life with something. Today you get two object lessons. And uh, when Adam was made from the dust... He was Adam. He was dust. But God breathed his spirit into Adam. As human beings, we were created to receive things spiritually. In fact, as I look around this morning, I see a bunch of spiritual containers sitting in the church. You're a bunch of spiritual containers. And for a lot of us, What we fill our lives with is what's also going to come out. For example, if you fill your life around people who are critical, gossip a lot, put others down, always think they're so smart and everybody else is so stupid, spiritually, if you fill your soul with that, that's going to come out, right? If you fill yourself around people who are loving, self-sacrificial, wanting to help others, that's what's going to come out. We are spiritual containers, and those are spiritual things. So, for example, if you fill your life with joy and things that bring you joy, then that is ultimately what's going to be poured into your heart. You're filling your life with joy, right? Now, hopefully, many of you will also consider filling your life with Love. I love love. I'm the master at love. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you fill your heart with love, right? Love is what's going to get in to your spiritual. We're all spiritual. We're meant to be filled. We're meant to be spiritually filled with something, right? Now, joy and love is wonderful, but the fact of the matter is, and I see this, I would say probably 80 to 90% of men I come across fill their lives spiritually with anger. I don't mean they just get ticked off. I mean, they are in a spiritual state of anger. They have so many unmet needs and unanswered questions. It's just anger written across their heart. And so what happens is, oh, Carmen. <laughs> Did somebody shake this up on me? This was on her desk. Uh, So we begin to fill 
with anger. Look, it gets nice and volatile, you know. That's somebody's heart right there. But what Jesus is saying this, if you allow yourselves to be filled with the Spirit, you know what's going to come out of your life? God. Because we were all created to be spiritual containers. And when God fills our lives, it's not just love or joy or anger. On the inside, a completely new, in this case, color, but a completely new state of being begins to take root and exist. We are all spiritual containers. And so I want to ask you a good question this morning. What have you filled your spirit with? I'm not talking about what you fill your mind with, what you fill your heart with, what you fill your body with this morning. Most of you probably coffee. What, did you, what, did, what do you fill your spirit with? Doubt? Anger? Lust? Pride? These are, those are spiritual things. Animals don't have, if we were animals, we wouldn't have any of that. Animals don't have that, right? An animal kills, but it doesn't murder, unless you're like a wolf or something. But anyway, you know, uh, animals, you know, procreate, but they don't rape. You know, we're not animals. We have a spiritual quality to our lives. Anger, jealousy, envy, gossip, critical spirit, critical heart. Joy, peace, love. Those are spiritual substances. And we are containers. What's in your container this morning? Whatever it is, if it's not this, don't leave here this morning without saying, God, everything else I got in there, replace it with your spirit. Fill me like Jesus filled the disciples when he said, receive the Holy Spirit and he blew out of them all of the old Jewish dead religion and blew into them eternal life. Amen? Did that make sense? Did you feel like you're at Sunday school? Yes. All right. Stay. (laughs) And finally... Everyone has a reaction to the Holy Spirit. When Hudson Taylor went to China, he was one of the first missionaries to China in our modern era. He was sailing aboard a ship, and he was cutting to the south of China around Malaysia. And as they were going through the Straits of Malaysia, oddly enough, straits are usually very windy. If you've ever been to a strait, they're very windy. The wind was dead calm. And the captain was very concerned because at that time, the island of Sumatra was cannibalistic. They ate people. And so the captain's so concerned that there's no wind and they're drifting. The current is taking them towards Sumatra and not Malaysia. And so the crew begins to get very scared and very nervous. And the captain says, we have a man on here who's a missionary of God. Why don't we ask him to pray? And so the captain comes down and he says, uh, 
Mr. Taylor, we have no wind, and we are drifting, this is exactly what he said, toward an island where the people are cannibals. Mr. Taylor said, what can I do? The captain said, I understand that you believe in God. I would like you to pray. Uh, would you be willing uh, to pray for wind? And Hudson Taylor said, all right, Captain, I will pray for the wind, but I want you to set the sail now. And the captain said, oh, I, you know, I think the, I mean, the sailors are going to think I'm crazy if I have them setting a sail with no wind. And Mr. Taylor said, Captain, I want you to do it. Well, he began praying and he noticed that the sail wasn't being set. So he went up topside and the captain said to the sailor, or the captain said to Mr. Hudson, my sailors will not set the sail. He said, They've, they're in four groups now. Some are just lazy. They know it might do some good, but they just don't want to get up. It's hot. There's no wind. They don't want to do it. He said, some are afraid. They're afraid of what it might mean if God answers your prayer. Because if God starts blowing wind now, they'll know it's an act of God. And some of them are very nervous about what that might mean for their lives. There's a third group that's over there praying right now because they don't feel worthy of God's rescue. They've lived immoral lives. They've lived as atheists and doubters. And now they're really scared about, you know, not feeling worthy for God to rescue them. So they're over there preparing for their own doom. Then he said, and then there's a fourth one. They just think that God's a fairy tale. That's a bunch of silliness. And they're not going to get up and erect a sail when there is no God. Hudson Taylor walked around the boat and he looked at all the sailors. He looked at them dead in the eye. And then he looked at the captain. And without saying a word, he went below deck, shut the door, and locked himself in. He got on his knees and he began to pray that the wind that parted the Red Sea would blow that boat without a sail through the strait. Well, as he began praying, 45 minutes later, the captain comes down and starts banging on the door. The captain had convinced one of the groups to set the sail. And now the boat was in danger of being overturned. The wind was blowing so hard. He's banging on the door saying, Mr. Hudson, please stop praying. Please stop praying. We have more wind than we know what to do with. We're lowering the bags and we're all afraid we're going to capsize. From dead wind to blowing wind. You see, that's God. Unpredictable, invisible, but indispensable. And so if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes with me, before we close this morning, I want to give a very simple invitation. And with this invitation, if you'd like this, I'd like you to stand. Stand with me. To say, Lord Jesus, I want to be blowed on. I want you to breathe on me. Some of you this morning, you may need a blast of wind 
like Hudson Taylor got. A blast of wind. Some of you, you might just need a blowing wind like we had last night. Some of you, you may need just the breeze, just a gentle breeze to provide peace and assurance that God is with you. And for some of you, you might just need the breath of God to come inside your life and to reanimate you for the spiritual things that are good. Things like love and joy. Things like peace and patience. Kindness. Gentleness. And eternal life. So whether you'd like to be blasted or blown or breezed or breathed on, just go ahead and stand with me this morning right now. Heavenly Father, for all of those standing, I ask for a fresh breath to be upon them. And Lord, we come to you for this miracle. In fact, God, I, I, don't even, I just want to really say this, Lord. God, this isn't just some sermon closing. This is our lives here. And so, Jesus, I can't control you. I can't say what you're going to do in this next moment. But God, I did not get out of bed this morning to not get blessed. And so, Lord, we're here. We're gathered right now. And I pray for all the openness that you would just fill us. Not with anger, not with rage, gossip, envy. Fill us with the Holy Spirit, with peace. And with the knowledge that in Christ, we're going to live forever. That these bodies of dust will one day go back to the earth. And you will raise us with bodies not made from dust that will live forever. And if you agree with that this morning, if you would just pray with me this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, breathe on me the Holy Spirit. Forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name.